Hey, Dylan Kelly here, host of the Wave Break Podcast. Excited to get into this episode, but first, here's a quick word from our sponsor. This episode of the Wave Break Podcast is brought to you by Clavio, the growth marketing platform most recommended by other business leaders. Listen, in uncertain times, you need to be supporting your community and growing relationships with your customers. It's going to be appreciated. It's going to be remembered. It's going to be shared. And in good times and bad, this type of communication that's open and empathetic with your customers is key. This is a key theme that we've been talking about at Waybreak. I've been preaching this on the podcast. And when you're communicating with your customers in this way, the best way to do this is with email. It is and always will be one of the best channels for delivering communication like this. And what I love about Klaviyo is that email is one of its core offerings. And their personalization that you can do inside Klaviyo is just, it can't be beat. And when you leverage that personalization driven by a 360 degree view of the customer, these emails are going to feel more relevant and they're going to drive even stronger relationships. And Klaviyo gets it. They're not just, you know, some company. They understand how challenging it is right now for every entrepreneur. You know, it was hard to get your business off the ground and navigating these times is even harder. And if you're feeling overwhelmed with growing your business, know that you're not alone. Clavio is here to help you build relationships across any distance for your brand and create memorable and meaningful email marketing moments that last a lifetime. And that's how you build a successful e-commerce brand. And this is why I love Klaviyo so much, because they're on the same page with me and Wavebreak. is like, we're not just about making more revenue. That's great. But what this is really about is an opportunity to create an amazing community with your customers. And the best way to do it is with email. And if you're not on Klaviyo, you got to get on Klaviyo. Visit Klaviyo.com to schedule a free trial. That's K-L-A-V-I. IYO.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Waybreak Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Kelly, founder and CEO of Waybreak. We're leading email and SMS marketing agency, powering over $100 million plus for our clients. If you're not seeing a lot of revenue from email and SMS, hit us up at waybreak.com. On this podcast, we interview the people behind some of the fastest growing brands inside of e-commerce. Today's no different. I've got Sean Riley, chief executive dude and co-founder at Dude Products. They make a product called Dude Wipes. We're going to be talking all about it and how they were able to scale their business. And what's unique about this is we're going to be diving into uh, not just direct consumer, but also more omni-channel strategy, which is how Dude was able to scale extremely fast. So without further ado, let's jump right into it. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Sean. What's up, Dylan? Thanks for having me, brother. Yeah, it's it, appreciate you having me. Yeah, man, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on. Like, uh, you know, fan of the brand, and excited to chat about how you've grown the company and just like the the different approach that you've taken. Um, it's a little different than the typical D 2 C approach that I interview on the podcast, and I'm always excited to get new perspectives. So, before we dive into all that, for the people who are unfamiliar with you and unfamiliar familiar with dude um give us give us a little bit of background like what's the brand when did you start it yeah tell us tell us a bit of your story cool yeah yeah take i'll take it back to you know kind of the origin of our brand and our product is you know just friends getting together and and starting a company that was going to be fun and 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 have a fun brand that kind of reflected you know the way that you know, guys and people kind of talk and interact in, in real life. So it was, you know, a few years after college, we were living in an apartment together, you know, 
your, your lifestyle, you finally got a paycheck, you know, you're going out, you're having fun, drinking a lot of beers, eating a lot of late night burritos and, uh, going through a lot of baby wipes I found out in our apartment. So, you know, I was buying some baby wipes from Sam's club and we all started kind of getting addicted to them. And and we kind of thought, Hey, this is interesting. Why haven't we used, you know, wipes before instead of toilet paper is a much better solution and and what's you know really out there so you know that that's just kind of our aha moment and you know i was trying to figure out something entrepreneurial to to do with my life and and you know we started talking about dude wipes and you know talking about how we could get the product made and so it was all just very kind of hacky you know, dudes out of an apartment with no experience in e-commerce or CPG or anything like that, just wanting to execute, you know, an idea and get a product out there and get a brand out there. So kind of like yourself, Dylan, I was messing around with some design stuff on the side of, of my nine to five. So, you know, making website pages and, and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, Dude Wipes w- was the first kind of brand you know, that I ever created. Um, so, you know, we, we got the packaging designed, we found the manufacturer and, you know, we, we kind of all got the voice together of the brand and, and how we want it to be fun and humorous and blunt. And, uh, yeah, from there, it was just a, we got to get product out, you know, we gotta, we gotta buy some product and, and get it and figure out how you scale a company. You know, we thought we had, a good idea. We thought there was a gap in the market, but we didn't really know what to do besides get dude wipes made. So we finally got our first uh, pallets after about a year or two of kind of fucking around and trying to get, uh, you know, trying to get it going. And we got four pallets delivered. Um, One of my partners at that point had moved into a condo and he had a spare bedroom. So, you know, big semi truck pulls around a tight urban street in Chicago and we're loading them up to three flat and filling up the spare bedroom and then just saying, okay, you know, now we got to figure out how to (laughs) spare bedroom. We got to figure out how to get these dude wipes out. At that time, it was just individually packaged dude wipes that came in 30 pack boxes. So guys could have a solution on the go, uh, a flushable wipe on the go for when they go to the bathroom or any other you know, nasty situation that you got yourself into. So it's truly like a niche product designed for our niche lifestyle, you know, at that point. And uh, yeah, so, you know, I always tell people that was a real magical moment. And that's where any entrepreneur has got to push to is to that execution of product in hand. How am I going to sell this? You know, you can Mm -hmm. talk yourself into a lot of different problems you're going to have, but if you don't even put yourself in a position to figure out how to scale a business and get feedback from customers and all that, you know, it's obviously never going to go anywhere. So that, you know, was our first kind of big magical moment late 2012, you know, we got these dude wipes and, and here we go. How do, how do we get this going? That's awesome. Like, how did you track down that initial, like, so you have this idea, like, I don't even know where I would start. It's like, okay, I want to make these wipes. Like, are you looking on the back of like, like the, the labels and like trying to track down manufacturers or like, how did you even figure out how to get those first, um, first wipes? Pr- uh, what, what is it? Printed, made, <laughs> produced. <Yeah. I> guess. <laughs> how are wipes even made? I don't even know. I guess they're manufactured. We call it, but yeah, produced, made, whatever you want to call it. You know, one thing we found interesting, which I feel like is out there in a lot of industries is just 
figuring out what like the trade magazine is and the trade show, you know, every industry has, has that, you know, whether it's candy or wipes or so, you know, for us, it was this U S non-wovens industry, um, which hosts, you know, shows called the world of wipes and you can subscribe to their magazine for free, <laughs> you know, like, so the world started- of wipes, there's a whole community and, and like business community built on this. Yeah, for sure. That's man. amazing. Yeah, it's big business, right? Oh, wow. Um, There's a whole conference. So, you know, yeah, to, to be honest, started getting these magazines and looking at these websites and then saying, okay, these are the major players in this industry who manufacture, you know, who we can start calling out and working with. So, you know, from there, it kind of turned into like who will pick up our phone call or who will call us back because right. <laughs> nobody wants to deal with four guys with no money and no experience who have an idea, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's not your, if you're a wipe salesman, that's not your ideal uh, customer. Right. Um, so, you know, we kind of started faking it till we make it. Like I, I made a one page specification sheet that had a fake logo on it. I started emailing it from, a dudeproducts.com email address, you know, tried to look as professional as possible and uh-huh. solicit all these different people. And um, finally, you know, we, we sparked up a relationship with one, you know, sales guy at a, at a great company. And we ended up having some pizza and beers with him when he was in Chicago traveling for work. And, you know, he just kind of said him and his leadership bought into the idea, you know, that we were going to launch something in a market that was super stale and lacked innovation and lacked character and lacked, you know, the blunt angle we were going to bring to it. So they kind of leaned in and, and, you know, said, Hey, we'll, we'll do this first order for you. We'll make it as small as possible. So yeah, we wrestled them down to about a $30,000 first order threw together our money and, and bought that first order of dude wipes. And um, so, yeah, just, just kind of cold calling and faking it till you make it and then getting real deep into whatever industry you're in. But there's information out there, you know, you yeah. just got to go, go look for it. That's awesome. And then to them, they're like, yeah, this is a puny $30,000 order. And you guys are like, yeah, yeah. They're like, this is the industry warehouse. And you're like, yep. Third story of this uh, apartment building. Yep, <laughs> that's right. And then no, but what's, what's funny is like to you guys, that's probably like, it's like, Oh my goodness, 30 grand. Like you, you get the white, she's like, wow, we got him. And it's like, shoot, now how do we move these things? Is that kind of like what it was like? Yeah. Yeah. To us, it was the biggest order in the world. And to them, <laughs> it was the smallest order they had ever taken. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And so then, then what? So, okay. So you get these, they're in the apartment and you've got these pallets of wipes at this point in this guy's second bedroom, doubling as the do wipes warehouse. And you mentioned, so you don't have any product experience. Do, do any of you have marketing background? Like you have design background, which is great. And I obviously see that played out with the brand. It's like something uh, you, you know, is like, you guys don't have a huge direct consumer.com business, but I mean, even the design and just the attention to detail there is, is, is really incredible. Um, but yeah, as far as marketing goes and like selling those first products, like where did, where did you guys start? Did you have that background on your team or was it just kind of like the same thing? It's like, okay, we got this conferences. We found these products. It's the same with marketing. Like we're just going to figure it out and sell them. Or w- what did that look like? Yeah. I mean, a lot of, mistakes, you know, and and just kind of cutting our teeth in the industry. So, you know, first thing we did was, you know, get a, get a table at a big uh, electronic music festival in Chicago and like start handing out wipes and, you know, getting pictures and, 
you know, we had them available on a Squarespace website that you could like click on and buy product. And, but, you know, on, at that point we were hand packing orders and, you know, this no Facebook or Google experience. So we didn't really know what we were doing there. Um, we, you know, we, when we started doing some of these events and, you know, me and my one partner went to my alma mater, Illinois state and got a table and handed out wipes. And, you know, we, we could see, obviously we weren't seeing a return, you know, from these events. Um, like, like we thought we kind of, we thought the world would go viral right away, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and it just didn't. Um, but we could definitely see like the smiles on people's faces, um, the fun reactions we got. So that really got us like jazzed, you know, like anybody who got a product, like, you know, liked it, you know, who kind of got the brand and everything. So, you know, then kind of early on, we start talking to a friend who sells on Amazon, who's an Amazon seller, and he starts buying some product and he puts a listing up. So now we're able to tell people, hey, we're on Amazon, you know, mm-hmm. and people are like, I don't know, people amazed, like, oh, you know, that's awesome. I can go buy your product. So, you know, we started the business with a few wholesalers um, who ended up just clearing out these first pallets and batches of cases. And we got on like drugstore.com and and the Amazon listing started getting a little steam and stuff like that. So, you know, the first, you know, year of the business is just all that is all just like getting it to wholesalers who are essentially getting it out on the internet. And we eventually shut down our website into just a landing page. Hey, go check us out. We're on amazon.com and we're on drugstore.com. Right. Um, So just kind of, explaining the brand and the product, but not even taking the purchase there. Um, and then, you know, as we start to evolve, we start to, you know, take control of our own website. Um, so, so then we, and then in about 2015, we get on the Shopify as that's starting to take steam. And, and now we're in a warehouse at that point, a few years later, um, still a pretty small business, but at least orders can go, you know, in and out automatically from a website or from a wholesaler and and we started then running our own Amazon business so owning you know that whole end of the business not using wholesalers on there um so that ends up becoming kind of our first million dollar customer is, is the Amazon business that we end up owning yeah that's that's awesome and like what was that like in terms of like scaling that initially like we, did you guys ever raise capital have you bootstrapped the whole thing or like Cause like, that's one thing I think that stops a, a lot of brands from going the wholesale route is just like, you know, having to spend on like, you know, bigger POs dealing with, you know, different net payment terms. Like what, what was that like versus, you know, going the direct consumer approach? Yeah, for sure. I mean, when, you know, when you're that small, some of these wholesalers will give you, you know, 50% down and give you their credit card, especially if you're kind of dealing with people a little bit more exclusively, you know? Um, so the cash flow thing, I mean, it wasn't great. We did bootstrap the company, so we're not paying anybody, um, until I came on board, like after a year, uh, a small salary. Um, so, you know, we're running super lean. The only, you know, uh, we're not really spending much on marketing. It's all word of mouth. We're, we're sending free samples out to people, um, you know, in those early days and those wholesalers are paying enough on us, paying us enough to kind of flip those pallets and 
order more product and, you know, scrape by. Um, we use like a company called Cabbage with a K um, to do like term loans. So like if we needed 25 grand to buy more product, we'd go on there and and they ended up being like our first line of credit. Like we could borrow up to $100,000 from them literally with a few clicks of a button as long as we kept paying it back. Um, and then, you know, so that's the hump you got to get over is those first few years if you're bootstrapping with no capital, but you can do it, uh, especially with D 2 C these days. Uh, and then, you know, once we had a little bit more of establishment, we were able to start moving those lines of credit over to real banks, lowering those interest rates and kind of growing, um, you know, with with big banks, uh, you know, in Chicago kind of to this day. So that's how we, you know, fund and grow now. Um, so yeah, just running very lean, reinvesting back into the business, you know, hiring co-founders as we scaled, we'd bring us on and then, you know, more employees and more contractors, but, you know, we just kind of grew this more, um, organic kind of bootstrapped way, you know, that, than some other people, but it, it allowed us to really learn what customers like, what works, what doesn't, um, you know, and, and to this day, we kind of run the company with this bootstrap mentality. You know, we have money now, we have profit, we have lines of capital, but we still, you know, find opportunities for dude wipes to go viral for free, for very cheap. Or, you know, today we're looking for viral opportunities that really cost much on top of doing you know, all the stuff I'm sure you guys, you know, on the show, cost per click and Amazon ads and Google and Facebook, you know, now we have big, bigger media and sponsor deals. So we're, we're doing, you know, that you'd be doing now that a company our size, you know, grew into, but we still have this core strategy of viral hacking marketers. How can we get in the news? How can we get the dude wipes name out there? Cause that's how we grew up, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. And like in terms of like selling your products now, like how how have you guys scaled beyond those initial channels? Like where can cu customers find your products and and buy your products now and like what is what does that breakdown kind of look like? Yeah, so, you know, we're we're in probably 15,000 toilet paper aisles across the country. So, Walmarts, you can find us in in all Walmarts. Um you can find us in all Targets all Kroger's, um, a lot of Safeway Albertsons. Um, so, so a lot of grocery stores across the country, Myers and, um, all that good stuff. You can find us on Amazon. And then also you can find us on our website, um, you know, where we have a couple unique things, you know, like gear and, and other sort of unique products that we sell and, and that we have a lot of, you know, fun with the customer there, but, you know, to, to take it back, I guess, into how we got into all those stores and, and, you know, how we can sit here today and say, yeah, pretty much get us anywhere, bro. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. is, is, you know, taking that first success story, which for us was Amazon and putting it in front of Kroger was our first brick and mortar store, putting it in front of them and just saying, look at what we're doing to the toilet paper category on here. Look at all these reviews look at our sales. So we really use that as a case study to get into brick and mortar. And before we had that case study, you know, we just kind of got laughed out of brick and mortar meetings because just, you know, 
you don't have any sales, buddy, like get lost, you know? Um, but once we did, we were able to show that success story. And then once you have success in one chain, you can start showing that to other people. And we really, uh, you know, we really focus on existing customers a lot. So, you know, to this day, we're very bullish on Amazon. To this day, we're very bullish on Kroger supporting them. So, yeah, it's kind of just continuing to support what works. And, you know, when something doesn't work, then you abandon that customer and use the case studies of your success to find more customers similar to that. Let's take a quick break and get a word from our sponsor. Listen, it's getting more expensive to drive profitable traffic to your website every month, every year. You need to do everything you can to maximize conversions. That's why I love and use today's sponsor, Just Do Know. They're the best tool in the game for conversion rate optimization. Two things I really love about them right now. I mean, they're first of all, they're a really great company, really great team. Uh, you know, one of the best to work with. Uh, but two features I love of Just You Know. Number one, they have these AI-powered upsells that you can take and put anywhere in your store that has HTML. So you can put them in the checkout, you can put them in your cart, you can put them on the product page. This is their Just Uno Plus product. And what's great about that, it has this AI in it that tracks buyer behavior and puts recommendations that people are actually gonna buy. So you get more conversions and you get higher average order value and it's just gonna help your business scale a lot easier and it's really easy to set up because you also get a strategist with it. And the Just Uno Plus strategist, they know exactly what's working and how the best brands are leveraging Just Uno and they can take that insight and apply it to your brand with zero learning curve um, and help you drive more conversions using their platform on your website. The second thing I really love about Just Uno is their advanced list growth tools uh, and specifically how you can segment based on traffic and a ton of other different metrics so you can really maximize list growth as well as conversions using on-site pop-ups and different promotions that they have. Um, and all of this works extremely well. Uh, Just Uno customers see an average of 135% lift in revenue during their first year using the platform. And what's awesome about it is it also links to Klaviyo, Postscript, and all of the other software that you use. So you can close the loop, link everything together. Everything's personalized. Everything's automated. It's all nice and flows and connected um, and it drives great results. So if you want to learn more about Just Uno Plus and snag a sweet discount because you're a listener of this podcast, all you got to do is go to justuno.com slash wavebreak. Link is down in the show notes below. It's justuno.com slash wavebreak. Sign up for a free trial and get 20% off your first year by using code wavebreak. Like I said, it's down in the show notes below. Go check them out. Let's get back into this episode. And like, how has your, how has your marketing shifted with that? Like, do you guys do a lot of direct response stuff or like in terms of marketing when you're in big retailers like that, like are you doing more brand stuff? You mentioned like you're doing some different sponsorships and things like how, how does your marketing play into those relationships? Cause I think that's something like a lot of people listening to this podcast aren't super f familiar with. Um, kind of like you, you mentioned earlier, it's like we're, we're used to the Facebook ads. We're used to the, you know, right. Yeah. Channels. Like what does it look like for a brand? Like you trying to drive demand and like get sales up when your business isn't, it, it's not like Facebook ad in Facebook ad out, or maybe it is, but they're buying in store or like, well, yeah. What, what does the marketing side of the business look like? Yeah. I mean, m my, you know, macro tip there for those customers that you acquire that are, you know, new customers is, yeah, like a Facebook ad is not going to be the most efficient way to drive a purchase at Kroger. It's just, there's, you're asking the customer to do too much, right? So, you know, obviously there's the brand building side of the business where we're building awareness and doing sponsorships and that's part of our marketing budget. But then, you know, once you get some of these other big customers, you really want to work with them and their buyer because they all have their own marketing programs. So, 
you know, hey, we like to run this big mega Super Bowl sale, you know, does Dude Wipes want to be involved in it or, or have an end cap? You know, yeah, definitely. Or, you know, we do an email blast. Obviously, all these guys are getting a lot more digital these days. So there's a lot of opportunities now on their own websites to start driving, you know, add to carts and stuff like that. And just understanding, you know, working with your buyer and being comfortable. Hey, you know, Kroger is going to place a half a million dollar PO. You know, I should be asking them like right away, like, hey, especially on new relationships, I want to spend 50 grand with you guys. You know, where's the best place to spend it within your marketing within because you're never going to get a better return, you know, than spending it in ways that is directly related to that channel. You know what I mean? And Facebook and Google are related, you know, typically to your D2C channel. So that's why those are your good spends. You know, Amazon ads are related to Amazon. So they're good spends for that customer. So it's like, as you get these new customers, just figuring out what marketing programs like they have and, and which ones, you know, work for your business. Got it. Yeah, and that, that, that makes a lot of sense. And it's really cool to see how you're able to do that and like a little behind the scenes. Uh, because, yeah, like we talked about before, it's like most of the people listening to this are like digitally native, direct consumer businesses, um, you know, looking for that next thing. And I think, um, you know, it's just always interesting to, to, to hear that perspective. But um, yeah, like, and I'm curious too, like, what was it like, um, you know, talk about 2020 with the toilet paper apocalypse. I imagine that was incredible for your business. <laughs> what, what, what was, what was that like? What, what was it like being in store? What was it like being online? And like, what was it like being the, the owner and proprietor of the business during that time? Like, were you freaking out or like you were kind of in a unique position where it's like the freak out's a little bit different. It's like, wow, we're selling through everything like crazy versus like our sales have trickled to a halt. Tell me, yeah. Tell me about, I guess it was like a year, about a year ago. Like what, what was that? Yeah. Like? It was a shit show, Dylan. pun intended Um, (laughs) sorry i had to so yeah it was crazy and unexpected you know obviously the whole the whole thing was and and the fact that there was a run on toilet paper was probably you know even more unexpected so for us it was you know kind of overnight we all our inventory was bought up um so whether that was Walmart or Amazon or Meyer or whatever, like everybody ran out of their stock because the consumers went and bought it all. So then they placed the biggest purchase orders they ever placed. And uh, so, yeah, it was definitely uh, a challenging time uh, to, to figure it out. And, you know, the route that we took was uh, and, you know, that's how I'd recommend anybody, you know, treat their customers is. Like we're going to send product to all of our like longtime customers who put dude wipes in their toilet paper section. So, you know, whether you were a smaller grocery store or you were Walmart or Amazon, like we gave you, you know, your fair share um, because we were in a position where you could have just gave it all to one guy um, because people were trying to buy that much. Uh, So that was what we did with the kind of initial shock to the system. And then, you know, after that, you know, we manufacture uh, right here in the USA. So we're able to ramp up manufacturing very quickly, bring product into our warehouse in Chicago very quickly and keep redistributing it out to all the customers very quickly. So, you know, we actually, you know, didn't have as many out of stocks, basically being so small and so nimble and manufactured in the U.S., 
we were able to like keep getting product and, and keep pumping it out. And, and so there was a lot of stores where dude wipes was the only product coming in and getting set on shelves. Cause you know, for better or for worse, those toilet paper companies are so big. It, they had a harder time reacting to it than, than a smaller brand like us could, you know? Um, yeah. So yeah, we used it a, as an opportunity to kind of scale our manufacturing and, um, and, and we saw a lot of customers obviously shift online during that period, you know, so we saw kind of the Walmart online business grow, you know, the Amazon business grow and, and then, you know, things started to normalize later that year. Obviously people stopped panic buying the toilet paper market caught up all of that good stuff. But, you know, what we've found is people who tried dude wipes, um, who maybe hadn't heard of us before, didn't have another choice, you know you like the dude wipes experience. It's a cleaner, you know, more plush way to wipe your ass than, you know, toilet paper. So, you know, people, once they had that experience, you know, have come back and been returning customers. So, you know, we, we just have more, um, you know, fans of our product out there because of, you know, us being able to, you know, serve them in the time of need and, you know, scale up uh, the organization to kind of meet that. And yeah, we're, we're definitely, um, you know, happy that, uh, that a lot of those customers have stuck around. Yeah, that's awesome. That's what I was going to ask. Like, was it, you know, just an initial burst of sales because you guys were only, only the only product, but it sounds like you, you guys experienced just like some really sustainable growth that's like still, still rolling to this day. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And we, I mean, we used it as an opportunity to get in new stores too, you know, and, and say, hey, you guys haven't been carrying dude wipes, you know. Um, if your other guys let you down, you know, we're here for you. So, you know, we use this as an opportunity to kind of grow our, our footprint, um, as well. Yeah. That's amazing. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. And like, in terms of like the impact on your business, like, did you get, like, are you guys on track to like do even bigger numbers this year compared to last year? Or do you find like that there, there was a spike last year that you might not be able to hit this year? Or like, what, what does that look like in terms of growth? Cause you're in a unique spot in terms of your product. It became so in demand. Um, you know, but at the same time, I mean, it's just like, uh, kind of like you're saying, like people are coming back, what, what, like looking back, like what was the impact of that on your business and like, how has that played out till now? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, like last year we were, we were all set to have an, a great growth year, you know, regardless of if anything happened. So when the toilet paper shortage happened, we had a even more massive growth year, right? So like we had this huge step change from 2019 to 2020, you know, that uh, a lot of uh, different, you know, people in the industry or different investors we, you know, talked to um, kind of said, well, you know, you'll never match that year, you know, because they didn't understand the habit changing in the market and that these flushable wipes people were going to stick around and that these dude wipes people were going to stay, you know, they just saw it as all this one-time you know, blip on our records. But yeah, I can tell you, we're definitely going to be um, growing by a very healthy amount this year. And uh, we sold more on Amazon in March this year than we did last year, which absolutely even blew my expectations away. Wow. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, it, it's definitely, you know, a trend and, and consumers, you know, we wouldn't be around here today, um, based on, you know, a bootstrapped lean company doing it the right organic way. If when we acquired customers, you know, they didn't stick around and, and right. like the product, you know, we just, mm -hmm. we just wouldn't have made it. 
So, you know, we in the back of our minds, as hard as that can all be to measure when you're in so many different stores and all of that, you know, like you basically need a rocket scientist to figure it out. And I'm not that guy. But, uh, you know, we know that uh, we do have, you know, people who try and, and buy and like the product. And, you know, 2021 is kind of our proof point of that is that, you know, look at this business is growing, you know, year over year, um, you know, at a substantial rate when basically, you know, flat growth would have been considered a win coming off of uh, a massive year like last year. But, you know, we, you know, we run uh, the business the way we think that this industry's going and that this market's going. And so we're obviously very bullish on it. And so we're always putting in plays to have those kind of, you know, big results. Yeah, that's awesome. And like to kind of, to kind of, and like, that's so great about the growth too. And like, that, that's, that's really incredible. It says a lot about your product too. I mean, repeat's so important. And I think initially, like when we were both starting out, you know, similar timelines, it's like, that was kind of overlooked because you could just like make so much money off that first purchase, but like that's getting harder and harder to do um, and to really build a sustainable business. So that's awesome that like, and, and like, it goes back to your product too. Like you have a great product. So like once people use it, they naturally come back. Um, we're starting to run out yep. of time would love to switch gears a little bit and just curious your perspective uh, on just like where things are headed. Like what are some of the things on your radar for 2021? What are you thinking about in terms of channels, marketing, products, or just like, how are you thinking about business this year? Um, you know, as, as things are kind of starting to open up, um, we have a lot more clarity on the world. It's not ending. <laughs> we survive. <laughs> but uh, yeah, how are you thinking about 2021 and like what's on your radar as a, uh, you know, uh, uh, e-commerce and, and, uh, CPG leader. Yeah. So, you know, we definitely think, um, there's going to be a lot of sticky e-commerce, you know, behavior in all of these channels. So we, you know, want to still be very, you know, heavy on e-commerce with all of our channels and, and be invested in there. Cause you know, while things will normalize, it's just, you know, habits are habits, right? So all these new people who now buy online, you know, a good amount of them are going to stay. So, we really want to be invested in there. Um, you know, we want to be invested to, to continue to grow the brand and, and have fun with the brand. So when things open up more, you know, we want more, you know, dude wipe samples at, you know, soccer games and concerts and stuff like that. So we can connect with people, you know, where they're having fun. Um, and, uh, and yeah, just honestly continuing to, to run our same playbook where we, you know, reinvest in our customers and, and try and increase loyalty. Cause like you said, Dylan, like if mobile product, like the game that's I've learned, you know, it's all about, you know, that people are coming back and enjoying your product. So, you know, offering innovations to, to customers as well. And, and always delighting them with us, you know, we want to be the most premium butt white brand in the world. And, and the guy that you can always expect to be leading and innovating. And that's why, you know, we launched things like the Dude Wiper 1000 last year, which is, you know, your at-home bidet butt wiper. And it's why, like, this year we're uh, shortly here putting out a Dude Wipes Medicated, you know, which is a medicated product with, with witch hazel. Um, so, like, a real premium product. And uh, so, yeah, just having fun, reinvesting in what's working, you know, being bullish on e-com and just continuing to be the leader in our category. Uh, you know, sometimes it it can be, uh, it can be kind of boring, but, uh, just, just focusing on what's working and, and doubling down, I think is always the right strategy for people. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's so funny because like, it's so true. Like just in terms of 
focusing on what's working <laughs> and scaling that. Like right. it's so boring when you're you're an entrepreneur because like you're always looking for the silver bullet no matter what stage you're at. And, and then you get to the point where it's like, how do I break everything? So it's like fun, but it's like, no, like I was just talking, um, you know, I, I recently interviewed on the podcast, the, the Chirp Wheel, uh, their VP of marketing. Um, they have one SKU, they scale it to 40 million a year. And it's so funny. It's like, how did you do it? They're like, well, we just had one product. So it was really easy. So we just did the same <laughs> thing over and over again. And it's like, wait, what? But like, we're always yep. like, trying to overcomplicate things, especially like when you're like entrepreneurial and just like very strategic. It's like, you get all these ideas and like, you know, you're on a podcast, you're listening to podcasts. Like, it's like, Oh, we could do this and we could do this. And we could do that. But like the most successful people I listen to on this podcast, like literally find something that works and then they just scale it up till they can't anymore. Um, you know, whether it's like, Oh, influencer marketing works. It's like, bam, within a year, they have a team of 30 people just dedicated to influencer marketing. It's like, wow. It's like, it's so funny how we overcomplicate it. And um, yeah, no, well, yeah, well, for well, sure, said, man. well said, the um, shiny object syndrome, they call it, you know, Oh yeah, and it's kind of the entrepreneurs, <laughs> the entrepreneurs curse because they have so many ideas. They see so many shiny objects. They want to touch them. They want to play with them. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a trap you got to try and avoid. Yeah, it's so true. And in the beginning, like you need that because like so much doesn't work that you need to find what does work. But then you find right. what works, and you'll kill yourself if you keep and kill the business if you keep trying to find new things instead of just scaling up what you actually figured out did work. So. Um, yeah, super important. I mean, like if there's one takeaway from this podcast, I think there's a lot, but like even just that, it's like, Hey, just scale up and double down on what works. Like just focus on that for a quarter and you'll have probably your best quarter ever. But yeah, no, I really appreciate you coming on, on the show, Sean. Uh, you're making the Lamborghini of, um, I don't even know what's the, what's the category. I feel like it's more than wipes Lamborghini of, um, I, I don't even know behind. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, but no, it's, it's 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 been great chatting with you. I really appreciate you sharing your perspective. It's it's a lot different than you know a lot of people I interview on the podcast. That's something that I've been trying to do a lot more. Is like let's get these different perspectives because you can really learn and just like apply a lot more to your business and just think about things in new ways. And so really appreciate you coming on uh, for everybody listening who wants to learn more about you, uh, learn more about the company, maybe even pick up some product. Uh, where can we go to learn more about you and Dude Wipes? Yeah, follow us on uh, Instagram and and Twitter at Dude Wipes. That's where we're kind of most uh, most active and and having a lot of fun. And then yeah, pick us up uh, wherever you like to buy toilet paper. And uh, yeah, and hit up dudeproducts.com if uh, you want to check out some other cool stuff we're doing. Amazing. I bet I bet it feels good to say that. It's like yeah, just pick us up wherever you buy your toilet paper. <laughs> Compared to like you know like the twenty the twenty thirteen version of Sean, who's like shoot, we got thirty thousand of inventory. What do we do? Check us uh, out on Amazon. Yeah. yeah. If they don't have it, complain to the manager. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks so much for coming on the show, Sean. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Dylan. Now, listener, before I sign off, stop me if this sounds familiar. Your email marketing is stuck. You feel like you could be doing email better. You're not generating enough email revenue and you feel like you're leaving money on the table. But you don't have the time to figure email out yourself or or do it on your own because you have a business to run. Imagine this. Imagine not having to worry about leaving money on the table with your email marketing. Imagine not having to figure out what to send, when to send it, how many emails should look, what automation you need, what segments you need, how often you should be contacting your email list, or just worrying about sending the next email. You don't have to worry about any of that. Imagine having peace of mind knowing that your email marketing is generating sales in good hands. At Wavebreak, we help Shopify stores maximize their email marketing revenue. 
That's it. We don't do anything else. And we've created a system called the wave break method that number one, makes you less dependent on Facebook or other marketing channels. Let's say something bad happens. Facebook says, see you later, Shopify store. And they just completely kill your ad traffic overnight. You don't have to worry. You don't have to stress because you're good to go because you have a cushion of email revenue. You don't have to worry about how or what what your wife is going to do or if you're going to be able to make rent or if you're going to be able to pay people because you have this cushion of email revenue to rely on. Number two, the second thing this does is huge and it's how stores scale from seven figures to eight figures to nine figures. And the secret is repeat purchases. The Wavebreak method gets rid of one-time buyers and increases repeat orders. Number three, it keeps your email list engaged. You don't have to worry about Black Friday and beyond. We'll figure out the ideal amount of times that your list needs to be contacted to maximize revenue, and then we'll execute it for you. If you want to learn more about this system and how we can work together to apply it to your business, go to wavebreak.co to schedule a call with me. And I'll personally send you my calendar link and we can chat one-on-one. Now, I don't have unlimited time to do these calls. I can only do a couple of them per week. So if you want to get your call, uh, go sign up at wavebreak.co for it as soon as possible. And we can talk about how we can work together. Thanks for listening to this episode. Subscribe to the show on iTunes to get notified of new episodes as soon as they drop. 